0: me to share with you God's word this morning. Before we go into prayer, we will be looking at uh, Psalm chapter, Psalm 16, verses 5 through 11, this morning, and it says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you have not abandoned me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Join me in prayer this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for these promises that we read, this reassurance that King David wrote about, his trust, his faith in you, that you were his all in all, that you were his cup and his portion, that he trusted you, that he felt well inside of the boundaries that you laid out for him he was blessed inside of those boundaries and father today as we look into your word we we study on the the uh, attribute of the fruit of the spirit which is joy this morning that we will be speaking about father i thank you for those boundaries those this book called the the word of god the bible living and inspired by the holy spirit that leads and And guides us in the way that we should go that shows us those boundaries and and where we shouldn't step over those boundaries not because you you don't want us to have what's on the other side or you don't want us to have more fun or a more full life but that you're protecting us and keeping us in the fold in the flock so to speak and not getting outside where it's dangerous and and we might be taken by the evil of this world Father, I thank you for the many things that we pray for on Wednesday night. I thank you for a good report to Pastor Michael's death this week with his heart, and uh, continued prayer for him and his family. Father, it's good to see Renata here this morning and, and giving a good testimony about her husband, and Father, just give him rest and let this medicine stuff be adjusted. Uh, Lord, I thank of many other people that we pray for on Wednesday night in need of a healing of a touch from you. Father, I thank of many relationships I think of those who are, who are suffering through grief that of a lost loved one. I think of those who are, who are battling through addictions and depressions and, and all types of things that, that the enemy would want to bring into their life to, to rob them of their joy. Father, today I pray as we are in this place that we would just lay down everything that we brought in with us, our, our cares, our concerns, our, our stuff, our baggage, that we would check that at the door and for these next few moments we would just listen to what you have to say to this church, this congregation this morning. Fill us with your joy this morning, I pray. In Jesus' holy and precious name, all God's children said, Amen. You might be seated. There is no junior church this morning uh, because of the fifth Sunday of the week. I wanted to uh, start off with a couple of uh, Thank you, Mitchell. Testimonies, I liked when we did that last week. And I'm going to share one with you. To start. I wanted to—I put this up here because I've neglected to do this in a long time. Uh, you see these in your pew, in front of you, in your uh, whatever that little pocket in the pew is called. I don't really know what that's called. It's where we put stuff. It's a pocket in the pew, I guess. But now these are visitor cards. Um, or if you've had to change of address or change of emails or anything like that, um, we will not pursue you. Well, we kind of will pursue you. But the, in prayer, not with these, we won't give you a bunch of, of unwanted emails. That's one thing I think when I go into a, any place and the first thing is uh, what's your email? I'm like, I give them the old one because that one's just basically for junk. So, uh, But uh, we'd just like to have you on here, your name, uh, so we can send you a card once in a while, be thinking about you, be praying for you. Uh, there's also would you like to receive emails for upcoming events? Uh, would you like to be on our prayer list? Um, or if you want to be on that list, so you can email in or get the prayer request. And uh, also, we do sermon notes, my sermon notes. Um, also, our sermons are now are, are back on CastBox. We go to Facebook for that, correct? Our Facebook page. So, um, a lot going on. And uh, we just like to uh, be able to send you a card now and then. Um, as we think about it, as I said, if you have a testimony, I'll give you an opportunity. I really enjoyed that last week, and I had many that did uh, also enjoy that. As you can probably hear, because I can't, my head is shut down for business right now. Um, I don't feel very good. Um, I had to, to uh, suck it up because Pastor Michael was having heart attack stuff, so like, all right, I got a cold, I better be the one that goes in, I can't really call him, and uh uh, we got to get Terry set up to preach or something here because this doesn't happen often. But we're sitting there this morning at home, and um, I'm thinking, Lord, i got to preach about joy today. And uh, for lack of a better term, I feel like crap. Um, and uh, I can't breathe, I can't hear, I keep coughing. Uh, um, and my special thanks goes out to my one of my little helpers. I don't know where she went right Oh, she's probably receiving the offering in there, Debbie Brower. She has this concoction that she puts together for me, which um, the uh, I'm not sure what it is, but it it will help me get through. Don't be thinking anything bad. It's good stuff, it's all natural, but it gets me through without my throat peeling off on the inside. Although a little did peel off when I found out how hot it was when I took the first swig. But we're sitting there and um, I walk out this morning, I told Bonnie, I said, I'm not going to make it to prayer, I'm just going to, I'm going to take my time and, and get there. Um, I need to drink some coffee, OD on cold medicine, and uh, I'll be ready to go. Um, so I walk out into the uh, living room, and I'm pretty sure that I hear um, the Hallmark Channel. My wife, she she works nights so Rob, you're already laughing <laughs> back there. She, she, um, she gets up, it's, we're on different time schedules, so she gets up on like Sunday morning. She had slept good, so she was up this morning. I'm like, eh, she's been up watching Hallmark Channel. I don't feel real Hallmark Channel today. Uh, to my chagrin, it wasn't Hallmark, it was some building uh, show, trading places or something like that, and, and she begins to talk to me about the, a remodeling job that we have going on in our house this morning. I'm sitting on the stool just... And she asked me a question. I said, yeah, that's, I think that's what we'll do. And she asked me another question. I said, yeah. She asked me another one. What are we going to do about this? And I said, honey, I said, I'm just trying to live to noon today right now. And I said, if I can make it through the sermon and, you know, I don't throw up on anybody or anything like that, uh, then we can have this discussion later on today. And uh, she looks at me, and she looks at me, and this is what a wonderful woman I've been married to for 25 years. She doesn't say a word. She gets up. She goes over. She changes the channel to my favorite sh- channel, um, sportsman channel, to soothe me. I Immediately, she turns on a picture of a deer being shot out in Montana. So uh, I'm like, thank you, dear." She knows what gets me. But the, um, the other testimony I had, which is not really a testimony, but a, a joke, I was uh, standing back there looking... And seeing this bottle of, of iced tea sitting up here, I thought we'd already had a delivery this morning. Because when I'm sitting back there, I'm like, who sent a, a fifth of Jack Daniels up on the, the stage? And I'm like, this is going to be a good day. Uh, then I got up here close enough to see it. And I'm like, oh, well. So now I just got to yell at whoever left the bottle up there. Yeah, so, Well, let's move into our sermon then. And if, as you know, the Spirit has really been moving in the church. That's why I take time. I I had people tell me how much they like the testimony. Kind of an old-fashioned thing, but it's actually very good for us to hear when uh, God is working and doing a uh, a work amongst us. The uh, scripture today, as I said, comes from Psalm chapter 16. And as I was kind of preparing for this this week, um, I thought of this question that I'm often asked, and I I didn't really know where it fit into the sermon, but it kept coming back and was a recurring question to me um, in my mind and it's one I've been asked many times um, which is why does God allow for evil to exist on the earth? Why does God do things the way he does so to speak? My usual answer is one along the lines of of, uh, stating the fact that um, you know we live in a broken world. God intended for it to be as it was in the Garden of Eden. Um, he intended for things to be perfect, and uh, Eve was uh, deceived by the serpent, and then Adam followed suit and listened to the woman, and and they both. They, that's where original sin come from. Um, usually, I'll say something like this. My usual answer is one along the lines stating the fact that due to sin and humanity's inclination towards depravity, we live within a broken and corrupt world, in which sin has and it has and is continuing. On its devastating path of savagery, ruination of all that is good in the eyes of man and God. That's my my trying to be theologian type of explanation to things. As I'm working through that and I'm getting out of this thing, um, God is speaking to me. In, and I'm going to skip a little bit ahead here in my notes um, about the fact that really He has yes. It's kind of a complicated thing in my head, but yes, he has allowed for Satan to be on loose on this earth for a time until he comes back and raptures the church. Um, However, he said that in my head what he was telling me was that I haven't allowed for all of this evil. I have made a provision against it. This is what I heard, these words that I heard from him. It is not I who allows for the present evil in this world. I have made provisions to guard against it and to deliver you from it, us from it. And you have not taken hold of these provisions and you have allowed the world to become as it is. When I think of that, I don't think necessarily that he's speaking just to me. I don't think he's necessarily speaking just to us as this church, but he's speaking to the church as a whole. I believe right now that God is... um, doing an incredible amount of speaking to the church. Uh, I don't know if I've said this lately, but the amount of uh, Christian movies that are out and the messages that they are carrying. um, In no time before, I don't think, in my nearly 27 years of uh, walking with God, I don't remember a time as I have in this last five or seven years or so where the, the, the marketplace, the movies are are flooded with Christian-themed movies. We wonder, well, how would God speak to the uh, entire world? um, Putting it on a big movie screen, putting popcorn and candy and those great big recliners down there, um, down at the uh, whatever one I go to down there, Brighton. God will, that draws people's attention. Maybe we're expecting something different from God uh, to in a way of speaking, but who says he can't use the um, method that he has already of a big screen to bring a message? I mean, what, what is one of the most distracting things we have nowadays in life is media. We can't... Um, I, I know very few of us who leave the house and get halfway down the road and figure out, oh, I forgot my phone. And we don't turn back and go get it because we can't live without our phone for a couple hours. Um, I'm guilty of that. I don't know uh, too many of us that don't go home and, or at least walk in the door and wh- how do we relax? We turn on the media and we catch a message that usually is not always the greatest message, especially if you're watching the news. I'm kind of on a news fast right now because um, I'm trying to preach about joy so I don't watch the news. But the uh, but God, God is speaking to us, and he's giving us these uh, tools to make a difference. I was talking with somebody up at the club the other day, and uh, um, I think it was up at the club. I was talking to somebody somewhere the other day, and we were talking about uh, the effect. oh, it was when I, I met Priscilla up in uh, um, Halo Burger. We were talking about how the world has come in and change the church instead of the church going out and changing the world, changing the culture of the world. Um, as I'm sitting there, I'm meeting Priscilla, who comes up to the club. She asks me, she says, uh, Pastor, are you okay coming up to, to Flint, hale downtown? And I'm like, yeah, I go to anywhere. Um, the anywhere. Uh, she didn't realize that I, I'm like, I go to Hurley in the middle of the night when they call me. Middle of the day, right by the courthouse, that's good, and I go up there and uh, uh, visit people in the jail once in a while anyways. So it's, uh, uh, but I knew where she was coming from. I was talking to her and her pastor, and we were sitting there talking to this uh, uh, Linda, and uh, Linda Fry, who's a, she's a, a, a woman of color who's a pastor in Flint who works with Priscilla. Priscilla has wanted to do some stuff at the uh, club, and I just said, well, I'd like to meet your pastor and make sure we're all on the same page and so forth, and we sat there and had a wonderful discussion, and um, we talked about the difference, some of the, the racial divides that we have in the church, and some of the things that she's dealing with, and, and, and the, the lack of joy that uh, I, we Christians often uh, seem to exhibit, that uh, serving God becomes a, uh, a chore, or something that we, are, we have to do if we want to get to heaven, and we're not filled with the joy of the Lord, which we sung about earlier the, uh, the whole preface of this message, what we're talking about this morning, um, and as I, I bring Flint into the picture, you can go up there and find out. This, this uh, Linda, uh, Priscilla's pastor, it's fun to be up there and uh, uh, talk with her because the uh, first thing she said is she taught me about her education because we didn't really know why we were meeting. We just knew Priscilla wanted us to meet and talk. And... Uh, she said, first thing I want you to know is I'm not from the hood. And, uh, and Priscilla said, no, I'm from the hood. And uh, she says, she takes me into the hood, and I have no idea about some of these things I'm dealing with. She said, Sometimes I get a little, you know, freaked out by that. But, um, and she said, I'm, I'm not from a, a black church. She said, I don't, God has called me to pastor. This woman has stepped away from uh, quite a career. She's very educated, she's been down to... U of M and I can't remember exactly how to, uh, it was a career in business. She had quite a lucrative uh, income, and, and God has called her away from that to minister in the city. Um, she, uh, we talked in, in, in time about uh, uh, the difference between, she's like, well, how's your church? I said, well, we're, we're white as snow. And she says, um, yeah, she said, we're black as coal. And um, she said, I don't know why we have white, church and black church and, and why we're having all of these things separate. And I said, I, I don't understand that either because um, we talk a lot about racial reconciliation and, and so forth. And I'm a little off my topic. I know that's surprising to you guys, but um, the, uh, but it comes back to this talking about having joy where God has us and the work that he has for us to do and what we could uh, possibly um, uh, do together to work together. And um, just the thing, I, I found it funny that I think it was Thursday night she sent me her. No, it was Thursday night I met her. Tuesday night. Thursday night she sends me a message that she has, uh, God has instructed her to pray for me. I'm like, well, great. That's, I'll take all the prayer I can get. I had no idea that it was, I was going to be getting sick on Friday and uh, doing all I could to get here on Sunday. But, um, Praying for the uh, health and and joy in my family is what she was praying for. She didn't really know what exactly we would be preaching on this Sunday. But um, as we look into this and we talk about joy, I want to help us understand, uh, and I think part of why God was showing me that up there and I was having these discussions is to, to reaffirm the fact that joy is not something that is affected by our outside circumstances. Joy, happiness, and I've said this many times, happiness, when we talk about happiness, happiness is a, um, and I, I thought of this at a meeting, a young man was talking about how do I find happiness uh, the other day. And I thought, well, you got to look for joy first because happiness, happiness is a Scandinavian word. It, it is um based on stance, your circumstance, basically. It, happiness is found when things are going good around you. That's what happiness is based upon, is your surroundings, your, your climate, your, your culture, wherever you're at. Joy is something that the Lord imparts within us. We're talking, we're working our way through the fruit of the Spirit. I, I continue to remind us that it's many people say fruits, plural, Fruits is, it, it's not a plural thing. You don't get to pick the ones you like and the ones you don't like, you just leave alone. Fruit is a word or a work that God does in our hearts. When the Holy Spirit comes in and he has control of our, of our thoughts, of our, of our belief system, of, of, of where he is taking us, joy is a part of that. We have love, joy, and, and next week we'll speak about peace and then on down the line. Joy is something that God puts into our hearts, into our inner being. It's imparted, so to speak, into us. You think when, when we read, and we will go through some of these uh, things in, in here talking about joy, joy cannot be taken by the enemy. Joy cannot be taken from you because of your surroundings. You can be sick, and I think maybe that's why I haven't been sick all year, and, and i got to preach on joy and, and God makes me sicker than a dog. I don't know if he did or I just caught it from some snot nosed kid at the volleyball game. But the, um, that probably wasn't the nicest way to put that. But the, um, joy is something that mankind cannot live without. I wanted to start, when, when I begin to read in this uh, text this morning, I don't know if you were following me along, I didn't put this in my notes on the screen. But I found this very—how uh, I lose it already? Interesting that at the beginning of this psalm, and I'm not sure if I pronounce this correctly or not. But at Psalm 16 it says a a, a Mike tam, m i k t a m of David. Now I haven't seen that word before in the psalms, I, or maybe I have, and this is the first time it really struck my attention. Um, M-I-K-T-A-M of David. So I began to research and study that word. In what basically the definition for that is secret place. David in this psalm is talking to the listeners or the readers, writing this to, so he, he probably wrote this, they think, there's no doubt in most theologians' mind that David, this is a David did psalm probably wrote it when he was in Zigzag, Ziglag, residing in there. If we, know, if we remember that David was always, until he became king, Saul, the king that was uh, in place, uh, was very jealous of David. Pursued him, tried to kill him for 17 years until he actually took the throne. Um, so David has been anointed king, told that he's going to be king of all Israel that the Messiah is going to come through his genealogical line. He's anointed, um, uh, as you remember, all the, I think there's eight, seven brothers, and then him. And he was the last one that everybody overlooked, the stinky little shepherd kid out in the woods. And Samuel's there anointing all the big, ruddy, older brothers come through, the good-looking ones. And God kept telling Samuel, that's not him, that's not him, that's not him. Well, and he runs out of brothers that are there. He says, well, there's got to be somebody else. And they're like, yeah, just David, out in the sheep, you know, just take care of sheep. He said, well, bring him in. And um, brings him in, Lord said, this is, my, this is my guy, this little stinky shepherd boy that everybody overlooks, anointing. So they anointed him. And at that time, he's pronounced king uh, over Israel. However, it takes 17 years from that anointing until the time he actually gets, takes hold of the throne. Saul chases him, nearly uh, killing him several times uh, because Saul becomes very jealous because David is anointed and David is actually more effective and powerful than Saul is even before he takes the throne because God has anointed him. David, when he writes this psalm, I, I tell you, that's a quick synopsis to where we're at. He's in Ziglag, Ziglag is where the Philistines live. Now if you know that the uh, why would I lose his name? What's the giant's name? Goliath. I told somebody I think I might be close to relapse on all the cold medicine I have today in me. So the uh, um, Goliath was a Philistine which David killed. And now he's living with the Philistines. So when you think about being anointed king, doing some great heroic things, ending up living with your enemies because you're being pursued by your own country, and then you're writing about joy and how much God means to you. Now, I don't know if that is resonating with everybody here, but many times we find ourselves living in zigzag, living amongst our enemies so to speak living under persecution when I say persecution not persecution like we see in the Middle East and stuff but really kind of a light form of persecution here we, um, maybe we're scorned because we're a Christian or, or you know, people don't accept us or we're looked at differently but persecution and we're living he's living in the very place which he's going to overtake He's living with his enemies and he's writing this. And this, the, when you talk about Mittam, he's talking about a secret inner place where joy resides in him. Through all of these things, through all of what he's gone through, David has never lost his focus on the Lord. David has not lost his joy. Does he go through times? We read Psalms where. David, it, it, it seems he is very downtrodden. We see things in life. We will go through places that are extremely uh, difficult places. I shared a testimony. Um, I'm going to use your testimony, Tim, that you shared on, I think it was Wednesday night. Could have been last Sunday, I don't, can't remember. But the fact that Tim's uh, friend uh, three four weeks ago passed away from a very long battle with cancer. Um, Tim was one of our prayer partners on uh, Thursday night. Wednesday night, we, uh, as we were discussing this, uh, discussing this passage, um, it just came to mind. Tim, his friend, passed away on Tim's birthday, and he's gone down there and visited several times. And Tim wants to have a, a word with Bruce when he gets up there about his timing, um, but the. Uh, which I don't think Bruce probably had a whole lot to do with that, but the uh, we were kidding about it. But the thing is, we wonder, well, why? You know, we're in here praying. There's a, uh, you know, 15 of us or so on Wednesday night. There should be a lot more. That's just a shameless plug for you guys to make it on Wednesday night. But uh, why didn't Bruce get healed? Why didn't things work out like they were supposed to work out with our prayers? Well, God was working, I think it was the son. He needed time to, to have, gave him quite a bit of extra time from what he needed to make amends and, and set some things straight with his son before God called him to heaven. Now, when you look at that, we can look at the fact that, that Bruce didn't get his healing. We can think like that. Or we can think in heavenly terms and understand that Bruce did get his healing. Bruce got to go to heaven. I don't believe for one second anybody goes to heaven, they're going to say, hey, can I go back down for a while? Now we think like that. Sometimes I think like that. Like I would go back and I've told God, I would stay as long as you'll leave me here to to preach the word and and to reach people for the kingdom. I'm pretty sure once I get there, I'm not going to say, hey, you know what? Um, I left a couple things down there. I need to, to go back and get somebody. I probably, I don't think anybody's going to be doing that. But we're going to be instead getting to heaven, realizing the joy that is set before us. And I'm going to get to the passage in Hebrews in just a second that was set before Jesus. That when we get there, that is when our joy becomes complete. We're going to get there, and it says in Hebrews, there's such a great cloud of witnesses. I believe once they get there, they're praying. They get a taste of what God has. What says mortal man has not half. Uh, Paul talks about it being taken into the third heaven. What, half of what God has prepared, the mortal man can't even conceive. We have no, we don't have words, we don't have imagination, we, don't, we can't even begin to think or, or feel or experience what God has prepared for us in heaven. When Bruce got there, he, it, it, I guarantee he began to pray for his son. He, he has got to make that decision and get here. It is imperative. And I, I believe he was filled with joy. I don't know how it all works up there, because it says we won't have no more crying, no more dying, no more sickness, no more pain. But when I read in, into uh, uh, Hebrews and it talks about we have, therefore there's such a great cloud of witnesses, which I have in here someplace. I believe people are watching out looking over us. As I wrote this, these words that God was giving me about it's not I who allows for the present evil in this world I have made provisions to guard against it to deliver you from it and you have not taken a hold of these provisions and have allowed the world to become as it is. What if the church lived within the fruit of the spirit? Instead of just us individually. What if we all were filled with the joy of the Lord? What if we exuded? What's the word? Exuded. Is that the word I'm looking for? Exuded. Poured out where we're so permeated, so saturated with joy that when we went out the doors of the church, when we got to work on Monday or school on Monday or wherever we were at, at the doctor's on Monday, and that joy just, just leaked out of us. They're just you know, you know how it smells in here? You know when I've been anointing in here, because you can smell the oil in here. Or when I anointed somebody up real good and they go out, people smell that upon them. Somebody was telling me that. Rick and Lita were telling me that. I was in an anointing frenzy a couple weeks ago. And they went out and people, wherever the story was, man, somebody smells good. And it's that oil. That's just, What if we exuded that kind of joyous, smell every time we walked out of the church or every time we woke up in the morning because we realized the joy that is set before us. That we are just sojourners. We're pilgrims here on earth. This is not our home. We are a part of the kingdom of heaven. When we, when we do accept Christ into our life, we, it immediately become because it says on earth as it is in heaven in the prayer. We're supposed to be on earth as it is in heaven. We are supposed to be on earth as we would be in heaven, because we know that we are secure in what God has done. We don't think, one of the craziest things the, 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 that I hear is, I hope I make it. Well, if you're still hoping you make it, you need to get back down to the altar and get prayed through, because you're supposed to know you're going to make it. We live with a confidence that God has us that when we accept him, and he forgives our sin, that our name is written in the book of life, and we live in that confidence, and it doesn 't matter what comes against us. we are looking for that joy that 's coming down the road. there We talk about the fact when somebody gets saved, that the angels rejoice in heaven shouldn 't we rejoice in heaven when one gets saved? What if Every time somebody come up here and got saved or, or got saved someplace else or gave their life or, or recommitted or, or we seen a miracle, what if we exuded that joy that the, the angels in heaven do? Wouldn't that be a little more attractional than some of the grumbling and the complaining that we often have? And I'm not pointing any fingers, or, but if it fits you, where? How often do we Go out the door and we got something to say about what somebody said or how somebody acted. And it's there are people. I'm sure I annoy a lot of people. I'm glad nobody said amen. The uh like the whole church says, Amen, master like that's great. Well, here you go, I'm gonna keep annoying you then. Shouldn't we turn what do you not think maybe sometimes when we stumble, we fall, or we do something stupid? That maybe Jesus could get a little annoyed thinking, man, I'm giving you, I give you all the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm living inside of you. You know you got a home in heaven that awaits you. You have all this power of the Holy Spirit poured out upon you. You won't use it half the time. And you still keep doing these things. Shouldn't, shouldn't we just have that joy within us? One of the other things. Uh, we talked about Wednesday night that I found uh, a pretty intriguing. Let me read this comment first from uh, um, C.S. Lewis. He says, if a, thing is, if a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. This was supposed to go with the first part, but I got carried away for a moment. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also, now listen, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. Although God puts that joy in us, imparts that joy into us, we have the free will to choose to receive it to choose to live in, and we have the free will to choose not to. We can't have one without the other. Why does God allow evil? He, he allows choice, is what He allows. He allows free will. Satan, yes, has not been bound to the abyss and has, will be someday. He is present, there. He is the prince of the power of this air. But God allows for free choice. You don't have to choose to be a part of what the devil's doing, you can choose to be a part of what God is doing. But we want to walk the line so often. Or we want to choose to be a part of. And then when we get out to the end of, of ourselves and the joy is gone, the, the hurt has come, the devastation is there, we begin to ask how is, how and why would God ever allow this to happen? God didn't allow it. We chose it to happen. William Barclay, another uh, commentator, theologian, if you will, writes these words. He says, I love these quotes from these guys who are way smarter than me that have been, uh, some of these guys have been dead a long time, but uh, their their quotes have held up for just centuries because they make so much sense. William Barclay is a... uh, theologian who writes several, has written commentaries on the Bible. He says, there is no virtue in the Christian life that is not made radiant with joy. We read that again. There is no virtue in the Christian life which is, not, which is not made radiant with joy. There is no circumstance, there is no occasion which is not illuminated with joy. Listen closely. A joyless life is not A Christian life. For joy is the one constant recipe for Christian living. Let me read that last line again. A joyless life is not a Christian life. For joy is the one constant recipe in Christian living. If you don't have joy, what I'm reading in that passage or that commentary quote I should say from William Barclay. If I don't have joy I need to take a second look at my Christian life and where I'm at. I need to get back to the altar. I'm not saying we don't go through difficult times. We go through very difficult times on this earth. We do lose loved ones. We do have struggles. Psalm 30 verses 4 and 5 says this Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For his anger is but, but for a moment, and his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We may weep for the night, I'm not saying we, we skip to the funeral home to bury a friend or a, a, a father or a mother or, or a son or a daughter or whoever. I'm not saying that we skip into the hospital and watch somebody die. But we go through difficult things. But since the power of God lives inside of our hearts, we have that joy. We realize, and that's one of the things, that joy that is set before us when we do skip to the hospital, so to speak, to meet somebody that might be passing into this next life. That is why that topic of joy and what God has done in our life, what he can do in their life, should be the most pertinent thing that we are there to talk about. Many times we are, we're not prepared. We, we don't, we're, maybe we're timid about that. We shouldn't be. But if we are, you can call the pastors. We come and we were praying, and I, I, I just, I used to try to work out ways of how to talk about it. And I just, I'm a pastor; they know I am here. I just like it when you call ahead of time and tell them I'm coming, because I've freaked out a couple people when I walk into the room and they're getting ready to pass away, and they're like, "Oh, last rites," and I'm like, "No, no, we, I'm here before that." Um, but I think of one funny story. Obviously, you don't catch me in a tie very often at the other church. I didn't, I got, God released me from all of my uh, uptightness while I was up there. Um, And people knew that if I was in a suit and tie that you were either getting married or buried um, or it was Easter or Christmas. Um, So happens I had to go to the funeral home before I had to go to the hospital and visit somebody. So I was in a suit and tie. This little old lady, bless her heart, um, she's in her, she's had hip surgery. Virginia, and uh, I see mother back here. Mom is friends with Virginia, and she's, got, she's had hip surgery. She's had horrible time with this hip surgery. She's, I don't know how old she was. She's, she's up there, and she, I think she had fell and broke her hip, but that's why I was up there and calling on her. And I walked in, she was in rehab. Rehab was not easy for her. And I walk in, my suit and tie, and uh, her eyes got big around as 50-cent pieces, like, you're not dying, Virginia. You're fine. I just had to go to funeral home before I got here, and uh, because she felt like she was dying at times. But we understand that when we're in those situations, that people need to see the joy. Joy brings and breeds confidence in non Christians. How many nine? How many? What, what? are you going to sign up for? That looks like it's causing somebody pain and anguish, and they're just doing it because they gotta do that. Because many times that's what we look like on Sunday or during the week. Like, eh, I gotta go to Wednesday night, or yeah, I gotta go to church Sunday. I can't do this or that. It's my only day to sleep in. And other, and I understand some of those excuses. They're still all excuses. What if we also had joy on our way into the church? Like, man, I get to go to church today. Our pastor, he's awesome. (laughs) We're not really worried about the pastor. As long as God is here, your pastor will be awesome. If God's not here, your pastor won't be awesome. But what if we had that kind of excitement when we come out? Wait, man, Wednesday night prayer meeting. We we blow off Wednesday night. We don't do Sunday nights no more because I don't really know where that fell apart, but it just did, which is fine with me because we have I was I had Nikki count up um, the small groups we have in here. Up there we have plenty going on. You can find a place to go. Uh, We have about thirty small groups that meet up at the Fenton Church for addictions and stuff, Um, and I think there's close to twenty that are in here now during the week, throughout the week with all the different. You can find something. You can be quilting, you can go to a Bible study, you can go to teen group. You can, there's something in here. If you really want to find God, we'll, and if there's not something in here, you come and tell me about it and I'll let you start something new as long as it's not a weird old thing. So, yeah. What if we had that joy coming in? Wouldn't that be a little more attractional? Judy has that joy. Judy is the queen of Pinterest. I get about a million Pinterest between Friday and Saturday with all these things and pictures. And I know because my phone dings when I get a Pinterest. And I'm like, all oh, right, what's she sending me now? And she's just, she just trying to get me wound up before Sunday, I think. So, but, she's, but what if we came like that? What if you stop to get somebody? What if you showed up early once in a while? What if we come in and walked in here instead of being, and I am meddling a little bit now, but, it's what pastors do sometimes. But what if instead of hanging out outside, we, we were excited to get in here and praise God. We were in here. We weren't dragging people in. It's getting better. I'm not being too nasty. But we, you know, we come for the purpose. I said this a while ago. When we step out here in the hallway and we are talking, and we're talking about ourselves, what are we talking about? How was work? Did you get your hair done? That looks great. The, the gray is all gone. The, uh, you know, Pastor, we love what you're doing with your hair now. All of those things. What, crazy stuff. How, how, what if we come in here and what was on the tip of our tongue was what's God doing in your life? We're, we're out here talking about where we're seeing God work. When new people come in there and they, they step up and we begin to ask them where they're from or, or, or how they've been, and you know they hear people here and there talking about the miracles that God is doing. Don't you think people are going to want to come back? Shouldn't God be on the forefront of our mind when we get here? My prayers, when I'm in here praying and I'm anointing everything, is, Lord, when they hit that door, wash their memory from everything else that's going on outside, cleanse their mind. Let him, in some of it, I'm not, some, there's heavy stuff going on in your life. There's struggle, there's battles going on. But I said, God, make this, that's why I anoint the windows and the doors and, and I pray. Make this a safe place. This is a, a safe haven. This is a refuge. Only let your, the power of your love and your joy and your peace be in this place. So when people come in, they're overwhelmed and enveloped in the presence of God. Because when that happens and it is happening, that's why the pews are filling up. It's because it's not because there's great preaching or great music or, or great classes or or great things going on. It's because the power of God is in here. And if it was for any of those other reasons, it would be pointless to be here for those. The joy of the Lord is our strength, is what the word says. That is where we get it, our strength to bad line to whatever is in there. For the joy set before us. Hebrews 12. (coughs) I'm just about done. (coughs) Physically and spiritually this morning. Hebrews 12. Oh, I got another quote first before I read that. Thomas Aquinas, um, Catholic friar priest from like the 1200s I think is when he was, it says this words, and this is one of the great problems, probably the most devastating problem that we have in our world today. It says, man cannot live without joy. Therefore he is, when he is deprived of true spiritual joys, it is necessary that he become Addicted to carnal pleasures. Let me read that again. Man cannot live without joy. There's a lot of us trying to do that. We're not living. We're the walking dead, spiritually dead. Man cannot live without joy. Therefore, when he is deprived of the spiritual joys, it is necessary that he... Become addicted to carnal pleasures. We are chasing things. We are chasing to fill this hole that only the fruit of the Spirit, the presence of God, is going to fill. When we can't find that outside, that is why we have the turmoil that we have. I was listening to um, uh, actually on one of my sports programs, uh, the fishing, um, I'm trying to think, Tide Changers. It's a group um, that it takes young men. In fatherless, fatherless men and mentors them brings them out, takes them fishing, hunting, that kind of stuff just to become a positive in their life and they're, they're coming out of those things because what is happening is we are chasing so many other things other than God, it's destroying the traditional family that's why we have, I forget I think there's 25 million fatherless uh, teens in our nation, it was an astronomical number, I didn't write it down at the time when I was listening to it, astronomical number. And we're just scratching the surface. And we are fixing some stuff, yes. And we're doing a good work by coming alongside them, be a big brother, big sister. But we could head off the problem if we would preach an example, joy and love and peace. I'm gonna close with this passage of scripture. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3, 1 through 3. And I believe this. I've wrestled with this scripture for a long time in my mind because I'm like, how how do these guys get to heaven and then look back down here? But I do believe that there is a great cloud of witnesses that look down here upon. And and what I've come up with is that I don't think that all the... uh, uh, the, the crying and the dying and everything. Now, I think when you get to heaven, you're, you're in your rest. But God has not completely closed the book yet on sin. He hasn't done that until after either, once he raptures the church. And then uh, we won't need them to look down on us. But it says in the Hebrews, 12, it says, therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I have this emboldened. And let us run the race with perseverance. Excuse me. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Listen to this part. For the joy Set before him, he endured the cross. We Read that part again. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me read that. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its sin, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You might think, well, yeah, Pastor, but that's Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus came because this was so much for us, the cross, not one person could bear it. Only Jesus could bear this. Only Jesus could endure this. And he did it in a fully human body. When he stepped here, he had everything in him that you and I have in us. The good, the bad, the ugly, the evil, whatever it is inside of you. He had that. He was fully human and fully God. He could have stepped away from the cross at any time. He prayed in the garden. Father, if this cup can pass, but not my will, but thine be done. He endured the cross because of the joy set before him. That joy is heaven. That joy is us receiving his gift of grace and salvation. He's gone, it says, to prepare a place for us. In the Gospels, the joy set before him was the reconciliation of mankind to God. We have no other way to get to God except through Jesus. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus' words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except, no one comes to the Father except through me. With joy, Jesus endured the cross for you, for me. How much joy should we have looking at the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. How much joy when he puts that in there, realizing we don't have. It says it's appointed once for men to die. We will die a physical death on earth. I think I said this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's a little unsettling. None of us know how that's going to take place. Some will go to sleep. Some will struggle. Who knows? That part is a bit unsettling. The other side of that is glorious. Amen. When we know Christ and we know when we breathe that last breath no matter what a struggle it's been the joy that is set for us is heaven. When we know these things I'm not just talking to us you can carry that but when we know these things how much more full should our joy be? This morning when We sing, and as I come back to pray, think about your joy. That's what we're talking about. Am I joyful? Am I glad? Am Am I blessed? Am I filled to be a Christian while I'm walking with God? Do I realize what a gift I have? That I have a spirit that allows me to overcome all the pain? Look at, see, I don't know how people... Do this without God. I don't know how someone loses a loved one and not know that they've gone to heaven. I don't know how someone goes into a battle where they don't think there's a chance for God to step in and intervene and win that war for them. It's a pretty joyless place in this earth, for lack of a better term. Yeah, there's people that are happy. It's summer or almost, who knows, it could snow this afternoon, but the, uh, it, it, we get happy about those things, the flowers have come out, all that, but there's still going to be people struggling through life without the knowledge and in, in, in the, the indwelling of God's joy and love. And the only place they're going to see that, if they don't come in here, and even if they do come in here, because many times they come in here, not just here, but the church as a whole, and they don't see the joy. When they get here in this church, they better see the joy. Or I'll be preaching longer next week. So Let's all stand and we'll sing. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. I thank you that we can truly sing a song like that. Some might think it's a kid's song. But Father, when you come back, or we come back to you, and you fill our hearts. We are as children again. We have that youthful, faithful mind and heart to believe that you can do and perform every good thing that you say you can, that your word says you can. Father, that we would understand and believe and realize that we do have joy set before us, joy and the heavens above awaits us, a place beyond our wildest imagination. Father, we have joy on this earth if we would just surrender ourselves, crucify our flesh, and allow you to live in our heart soul, to allow you to have our hearts and our minds, our eyes and our ears, so we can see where you're working on this world, and we see the joy, the joy of lives getting changed, people getting saved, people getting uh, help with addictions and healings and, and marriages being put back together. Father great joy that you bring us. Father, we should exude that. That is my prayer as we go out of these doors this morning. That if there's one in here who's struggling with joy, who is in 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 a dark spot maybe, Father, that you would speak specifically to them in here by the power of your Spirit. Fill them. That maybe they are in a time of weeping, it, it looks like a long, dark time. Just as I read in Psalm 30, verse 5, that weeping may endure for the night, but your joy cometh in the morning. That is a promise. Father, take us from this place with a smile on our face, with a love of Christ in our heart to share with those that we come in contact with today throughout this week. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.